Today's episode is with the Ashley Cisneros Mejia, founder and mastermind behind Talk Freelance to Me, a community laser focused on helping women freelance writers build profitable businesses. Now, Ashley and I met in undergrad at the University of Florida. And when I tell you she's amazing, she is. She has a heart of gold, one of the strongest work ethics of anyone I know, and extremely talented. In this episode, she walks us through the world of freelance writing and the undeniable opportunity that exists to build a flexible career doing it. She was also named Citizen of the Month in her district for being a fierce advocate for building a library in the Lake Nona area. When told building a library in her neighborhood was not going to happen, she found that unacceptable and then proceeded to navigate the labyrinth of small town politics with grace. Yes, the library is getting built, or at least it's starting the build-out process later this year. This episode is for you if you're interested, intrigued by the idea of getting out of the nine-to-five rat race, or even if you're interested in making change in your local community. Take a listen. person I've ever met cares deeply about something, whether it be women's rights, financial independence, the freedom to believe in a god or the universe, even their child's education. And oftentimes when advocating for these causes, people find themselves depleted. Full stop. Is it possible for us to create the world of our ideals from a place of lack? Well, what if we flip the script? What if we can shift our focus from what we don't want to what we do want? What if we can create the world we want from a place of joy, love, and abundance instead? Finding the nuance in this shift is a lifetime practice, and that is what this podcast is here to discuss and investigate. My name is Lola Sofia Bovell, and I am the host of the Latina Advocate Podcast. If you love our content on everything from advocacy to building generational wealth, make sure to not only subscribe to our podcast, but rate and review it as well. You can do this anywhere you get your podcasts, but especially on Apple and Spotify. Also, make sure you're following us on Instagram and TikTok. Our handle is at the Latina Advocate Podcast, just as it's spelled. Thanks for your support. Do you have summer plans yet? Well, whether you do or you don't, we've got something exciting to add to your list. The Latina Advocate Podcast is going to Puerto Rico. From its rich African, Taino, and Spanish roots to the artistic genius and cultural influences that are today taking the world by storm, there is no question that Puerto Rico and its people have so much to offer our communities. That's why we'll be spending time there this summer so we can interview the amazing people there and learn about the culture, the politics, the history, the cuisine, the land, and so much more. If you'd like to join us as we document our journey, consider this your invitation. Yes, you, you're invited. All of our interviews and reflections will only be made available to the Latina Advocate Podcast community that join our summer segment membership. Consider it your special bonus for supporting our work. Pre-sale for this opportunity opens Thursday, March 16th, which also happens to be my mom's birthday. Happy birthday, mom. And it's only $25. 
but hurry this early bird pricing won't last long and honestly 25 dollars is a bargain for all the deliciousness you'll be hearing about when you join us Everyone that signs up for the summer membership will also get an extra bonus with me and one of our special guests, but you have to sign up by April 1st to get the bonus. And before I get the question, no, you don't have to be Puerto Rican, Latinx, or really honestly be part of any particular ethnic group to join us. You just need to love immersing yourself in culture and want to support our podcast. So tell your friends, family members, and community so we can share the love. The link to join us is in our show notes and Instagram bio. I cannot wait to share this exclusive and exciting journey with you. Thank you for your support. Hello, everyone. Welcome, welcome to the Latina Advocate Podcast. I have the amazing Ashley Cisneros Mejia in the house. Woo! Yeah, yeah. Hello, hello. <laughs> <laughs> so Ashley and I have known each other for like, I mean, I think it's like going into 20 years now, which yes. is wild. It doesn't feel like 20 years. What is 20 years? What is time? I don't even know. I don't know. I'm confused. I don't know how we got here. <laughs> <laughs> so Ashley is one of my sorority sisters, one of my chapter sisters in Land of Theta Alpha Chi chapter. And since I've known her, she has this huge old heart. It just takes up the whole room. It's like, you don't even know. It's, oh my God, all this love is coming at me. I don't know what to do. <laughs> So she's just this beautiful human being. And then she's also amazing. So I just remember seeing the work that she would do even in undergrad and just even right after undergrad was always just serving and working her butt off and getting so many things accomplished. And she continues to do that to this day. I'm still like, how does she do it? I don't know. I don't know. But without further ado, the amazing Ashley, thank you for being here. I love you so much. Appreciate you. I love you, Lola. I have been inspired by you since you would come literally just like you did come into the room hello I'm Lola (laughs) this big just this energy and this sunshine and this beauty and so I've been such a fan of you forever so I'm so excited to see this new chapter and everything you're doing here with this podcast yay so good so good so let's just dive in so Ashley now she's been doing a lot of freelance writing she has lots of accolades I can't even list all of them but One of the things she's doing is helping people learn how to be freelance writers. And it's something that's really inspirational because at the end of the day, we are streamlined into working, right? These additional nine to five jobs, et cetera. But a lot of times if we're able to kind of branch out and really get out of our comfort zones and try on entrepreneurship, it can be a lot more lucrative and just a lot more rewarding too. So actually, I don't know if you mind just walking us through maybe just your timeline in terms of your career and then also you know a little bit about or your freelance ventures and talk freelance to me which is the new company that you've started thank you thank you so much so again i'm ashley cisneros mejia i am a woman and a partner and a mommy in orlando florida and i love to create and i love business. I love the idea of creating something from nothing. I think Mm. that's the thing that's always inspired me about entrepreneurs, not just in the United States, all over the world. So I've always loved to write. I've always loved to talk. I've always been curious. So I've been writing since I was a little girl. I studied journalism in college where we met at the University of Florida. And after that, I... 
go Gators. <laughs> I, uh, I started working right away in newspaper and as a magazine editor of a business publication. And that's really where I started to get to interview entrepreneurs and executives and just mm. learning about business. That's really where that, I think that seed was planted for me. Yeah. And then a little thing called the Great Recession came in 2008 into 2009. I had been working for maybe three years going on four years. I was definitely a young professional and I had just purchased my first condo. It was very cheap. It was 101000 And I had returned to school. I did a master's in entrepreneurship because I was working at a business publication. And I thought, wow, this will help me. This coursework will help me in my job and mm-hmm. reporting. And I had business aspirations for myself, but it wasn't, I hadn't realized any of them yet. They weren't, right. that wasn't ready. It was more of how can I do this? How can this coursework help me in my job? But then I found myself without a job. I got laid off a day after my birthday, I had just purchased the condo for 101000 I had just graduated with a master's in entrepreneurship. And so I had $17,000 worth of student loan debt. And so I had to figure out something. So I had been applying for jobs and the nature of journalism, a lot of outlets is advertising. That's our lifeblood. And of course, Mm -hmm. when the recession happened, a lot of companies, that was the first place that they cut their budgets was advertising, marketing. And so we definitely felt that my job was eliminated due to budget cuts. And it was really hard. This was the first time that I had failed at something. I had always been an overachiever, a people pleaser for a variety of reasons. And I always felt, okay, you just work hard and you're always going to succeed. You're right. Oh, see. <laughs> yeah. Yes. This recession just flipped that whole narrative, right? Mm-hmm. People were losing everything. And so I was looking for work for about three months. Like when they say trying to find a job is a job. I felt that because that was my life. And so along the way, I had always written on the side here and there. But at the time, I knew I had these big girl bills to pay. And so I was looking for work. It was just dry. There was not, I think a lot of industry suffered, but my industry, journalism, it was just so many jobs. Every day it was, you wake up in another email about like thousands of jobs gone. Yeah. So it was very hard. And of course I was young, so I was not going to get opportunities. I was still green. So it was a hard time. So I had done a little freelance writing. I found these marketplaces and I thought, I'll just do some freelance while I figure out my real job, like just on the side. And so I applied for this marketplace and then I ended up getting a job as a technical writer back in my hometown. So I was moving from Orlando where I live now, six hours north to Panama City where I'm from to take this tech writing job. I didn't know you were from Panama City. That's interesting. Girl, that's another podcast. Oh boy, yeah. (laughs) That's another episode. No shade. You're a product of your experiences, right? Yeah. But uh, yeah, and so on, on my way driving with all of my belongings in my little car, my little Camry at the time, I- I remember that Camry. Yeah. Anyways, I just got flashbacks. Yeah. (laughs) A lot of fun. And I got a call from this New York City number. And here I am literally in rural Florida. It's a two-lane highway, just me and the pine trees. And I'm like feeling low. I'm excited to be working. I'm happy to be working. I wanted to be a journalist and I'm doing tech writing for a government defense contractor. There was a lot of feelings, but I needed to pay bills. I got this call, a New York number. I answered it. It was a custom publishing company in New York City. And they found me on one of these websites that I had made a profile in while I was looking for these nine to five jobs. And the guys, hey, can you write some lawyer advertorials profiles for me? It's a dollar per word. So you write a thousand words, it's a thousand dollars. 
And me with all this debt that I had and no job, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I, I got will, you. I will do that yeah. today. <laughs> yeah. So that turned into me working during the day at the government defense contractor job, the tech writing job, where I was interviewing Navy engineers and trying to extract their brilliance and then put it into a white paper for the government. Way different than the journalism I did, way different than the newspaper reporting. But again, I was happy to be learning a new skill and I was happy to frankly have a job in the Great Recession. And so right after work, I would literally pull out of the parking lot, go into the nearby Dunkin' Donuts parking lot, park my car so that I could get the Wi-Fi. Papa, I had my laptop in my car. I had my little recorder and I would be calling attorneys and interviewing them out these verdicts and settlements and just learning, teaching myself on the fly so that I could be somewhat the language enough to communicate. Right. And so I was doing my job and then my side hustle, my job and my side hustle. Around this time, my now husband and I, we were in this long distance relationship and it was really hard. So I was just like focused on trying to get another job back in Orlando, but it just wasn't happening because the market was horrible. Lo and behold, as I'm just hustling and hustling, I wake up one day and I actually do the math and I realize this little freelance money I made at Dunkin' Donuts parking lot was could replace the tech writer job and Girl. would allow me... Mm allow me to move. Don't get me started. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm so passionate about freelance work and entrepreneurship is because it literally saved my financial life in 2009. Mm. And it enabled me to have love in the way that I wanted, which is to be in the same city as my now husband. Yeah. Wow. What a story. Love your journey. And I love how ultimately you discovered how entrepreneurship was really going to be what took you to the next level. And I think there's a lot of fear, right? Because this, again, the track is you go to high school, you go to college, maybe you get a master's degree or a law degree or whatever you get. And, you know, that you're going to be taken care of, but you're like literally pushed into this nine to five model and it's secure, right? You get the 401k, you get medical benefits and whatever other benefits. For some people, it's great. And that's wonderful. But there's just so much money everywhere else. And if you're just willing to open yourself up to it and look at your own demons, if you will, and just really put yourself out there, there's so much more opportunity. So yeah, I feel like there's a shift going on with our generation. I know you're a couple of years ahead of me where it's like, girl, bye with all these nine to five jobs. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And it's let's figure out how to really be entrepreneurs and build our own businesses. And then the wealth just flows in. So I feel like that really made sense in terms of like how you got into freelancing. So let's talk about talk freelance to me and what you're doing now. Absolutely. It's so funny how life is so cyclical, right? Mm-hmm. How there's all of these things that we don't realize at one time that were there the whole time. I yes. have a friend. And she says that a childhood friend named Mary Lou Mandel, and she actually, she teaches people, content creators, how to create content. She's awesome on Instagram, Mm -hmm. but I've known her since we were eight years old. We were in elementary school and she always talks about the, your thing, the thing that you love and the thing that you ultimately always come back was always there. Whatever you did as a kid, Mm -hmm. a lot of times it's always, it comes back. Like she was always on the morning announcements when we were in elementary school and now she's on Instagram live and TikTok and she's an influencer and she's still in front of the camera. And me, I always, I observed and I was curious and I would write and I'm still doing that today. And it's funny because So I saw freelance as this way to get me through a hard season, right? And then I got 
I was doing the tech writing thing. Then I ended up doing public relations for a little bit for a crisis management firm. Then I did marketing as a marketing manager for a chamber of commerce. And then I realized I still, and I freelanced throughout that whole time. And I realized I really being able to do different projects. I like being able to pick up and write an article on one topic and switch to something else. Mm -hmm. I love talking to people. And it's funny because something that I perceived as just for right now or on the side, I didn't realize that I could turn it into my main thing. I went on some detours. I I was freelancing for a while full-time, like around 2009 to about 2012. Started a digital marketing agency with a partner. Mm -hmm. Did that till about 2016. Started my own boutique digital agency about 2016 to about 2018. And all this whole while I've been freelancing. And then around 2014, I had my first child. 2017, I had another child. 2019, I had another child. All of a sudden, I'm in this motherhood season where flexibility is the name of the game, where having control over your schedule is so important. Mm -hmm. And I returned to freelance. I returned to freelance because I needed that flexibility. I needed that freedom. I needed that autonomy to create my own schedule in a way that would work for my partner's um, schedule. He works in healthcare, so it's very demanding. And then for the kids. Mm -hmm. So now I've had this aha moment. I had during the pandemic, I would have a lot of neighbors, a lot of teachers who were saying, you know what? I can't do this anymore. I can't yeah. teach in in these schools with COVID and other things. And, and quite frankly, in the state of Florida that have happened that have made it harder for people to teach, not even talking about the money. Yeah. Um, and they're kind of looking at me, like messaging me on Facebook, like you write from your house Tell me about that. I've been kind of informally mentoring a lot of women, men too, mostly women, about how to get into freelance writing. And so recently I realized there's something here. I like this stuff. I'm passionate about it. I see the difference it's made in my own life. I'm naturally helping other people get into it. I'm very fascinated about all these, about AI and chat GPT and its implications Mm. on our industry. And so I'm like, this is what I need to be doing. Like this, there's something here. And so that's what Talk Freelance to me is about. I've been playing around with it for a while, but really in 2022, I started. And so 2023, this is my focus. What a journey. And it's funny how you talked about how like a lot of times we're like, oh, maybe in the future this or maybe in the future that or it's just a side thing here. And one thing that I'm realizing is like the time is now. Let's yes. not push <laughs> things out for the future. So this is a really silly example, but I feel like it's very related. But one of the side hustles that I have is I rent a car on Turo just for extra money. And it's a 2019 Jeep Cherokee. And like Jeeps from a distance, but I never had my own. I only bought this car really because I heard it was really good on Turo. Anyways. I've seen it as such a business thing that I've externalized it. And I'm like, it's just this business thing. Right. And then the other day I was driving it and I was like, should I like this car? And so I was like, (laughs) yeah, it's my car. Yes. And I just was in the car and I was like, let me put the windows down, put the music up. And I was like, let me just flow and enjoy this (laughs) car. It's my car. I just feel like a lot of times we in life will be like, yeah, there's this thing, but I'm not gonna, it's not for right now, or it's right. maybe later. And it's no, like the magic is in front of us right now. So I'm so glad because even the way you were describing the pine trees as you were driving in Florida, it just reminded me, I've read some of your work over time and 
you're always so good at bringing in the details and making the person that's reading feel like they're actually there. And so I just feel like it's such a gift. And so it makes sense that you are now sharing your gift with other people and also helping them move into this industry. So I just think it's so gorgeous. And I'm so excited for you, Ashley. Thank you. (laughs) In this space. So let's just talk about freelancing a little bit. So folks that are maybe either unsatisfied with their current jobs, or maybe are looking for a side hustle or whatever their circumstances are, what can you maybe advise folks that are interested in getting more involved in this space? What do you need to do to start? Absolutely. So freelance is anybody can freelance and freelance can be applied to anything. So there's, I do freelance writing, but I know people who are freelance developers, freelance graphic designers, freelance podcast managers, like virtual assistants. I know people who do freelance voiceover, their voiceover that you're doing in your nine to five job, pretty much anything can be applied to freelance. You're just doing it independently as a independent contractor and you're offering those same services under your own shingle. And of course, there are certain industries where you can't do that or there's licenses and things. But for the most part, especially in the creative space, you can get all. And so for me, for freelance writing, it was just a natural thing because I was a journalist already. But you don't necessarily have to have a journalism degree. You don't have to have career experience in a nine to five that's related to writing to get started. I feel like the opportunities are really endless. If it can be written, Mm. you can offer it as a freelance writer. So a lot of times we think of it in terms of what I've done, like journalism, like freelancing for a magazine or freelancing for a blog. But really any company, any organization, any nonprofit, any house of worship, all of them can use freelance. And some of them do. Some of them may not have as sophisticated systems, like they may be new to hiring a freelancer, but I've seen there's freelancers who specialize in every industry and in every type of writing. For me, the number one thing is getting writing samples, Mm -hmm. figuring out what do you want to write about? Certainly there's people who succeed as being generalist and they can just write about anything. Mm -hmm. Think there's a place for that. If you've got bills and you've got some, you've got to get groceries today. Okay. You're writing about whatever's available. I think that if you can find your niche and figure out leverage expertise you already have in whatever industry, there's somebody buying, there's somebody that needs that writing and picking your best pieces to demonstrate your capabilities and then finding those clients. I feel like that's going to allow you to scale and that's going to allow you to actually enjoy what you're doing and have longevity in it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you would recommend as someone that maybe is interested in getting started in the space, maybe figuring out places where you can start offering your writing and it's more related into something that you're interested, would you say that someone should start by like offering their writing to a newspaper or maybe even like a local newsletter? Where would be some ideal places to get started? Absolutely. I think if you have a community newspaper, they usually have small staffs and are usually dying for content. Yeah. Uh, there's community blogs. So it doesn't necessarily have to be an outlet that produces something print printed. It can be a blog. There's social media forms that they exist on Instagram and they're writing very long captions and that's how they do their reporting and certainly companies. So talking to a business owner, again, if it can be written it can be offered as a freelance service. So it can be copy on a website. It could be an ad. So if you patronize a certain business, you love this business, you know it inside and out, and you're looking at their ad and saying, I could improve this. You could always pitch it. You could pitch your ideas. Really 
I think leveraging what you know is, again, what I would recommend. Certainly going to those newspapers and those blogs, they're almost, I've never had anybody tell me no, because they need new content, especially blogs, because Mm -hmm. of Google, they need to serve new content to Google all the time. I think coming up with some ideas when you're pitching will definitely help you get an opportunity quicker, even if they don't pick your opportunity or pick your pitch. But just coming to a blog, say it's a mommy blog, and you jot down a couple trends or ideas that you want to pitch to them, even if they don't pick them, it shows that you've done your homework. It shows that you're focused on them and then you're trying to help them mm-hmm. thinking about their audience. All of those things are going to help you be more successful. I've had friends that I've written for their church, their synagogue, their mosque, their public school, their private schools, even if they have a newsletter, anything where there's content is a market that you could target. So I'll speak from my own experience here. Having been in more of an academic sphere and then going into the legal sphere in very different types of writing, there's a lot of grammar policing that exists and judgment that exists. And so for me, I'm starting to get back into it now, but I never really saw it as like a joyous thing. For me, there was a lot of perfectionism involved with it and not a lot of joy. For folks that maybe are coming from the space of maybe don't even have a college degree or maybe folks that are highly educated, but maybe have very specific types of writing experience. How would you suggest those folks get into it? Do you need to be very grammatically inclined? What would you suggest for those folks maybe that aren't used to writing regularly at this point? Definitely. I think there's, so you can write in whatever your space, whatever industry you're in or not. You can choose, you might be an attorney, but you really love gardening. And so maybe you don't want to do anything with law or legal. You're tired of that. But maybe you want to focus, I want to write for gardening blogs, gardening magazines, companies that offer gardening equipment that have blogs on their website, or I've written all kinds of things. I've written email drip campaigns, social media. You can ghostwrite speeches for an executive. You can create a presentation. So it's not just articles per se. Again, anything that can be written is fair game. So I think picking something that you like is really good, is important. And I don't know, you definitely have a to be a decent writer. You don't have to be Hemingway. You don't have to be professor (laughs) level to be successful. Actually, the most successful people that I've seen in this space are actually, they're decent writers, but they're more business focused. So Mm. they, and they're just great to work with. They meet their deadlines. They look for, they understand here are the goals of my client. So these become my goals. They understand that when you're hired by, say, a company, you're not always hiring for that company. You're hiring for that company's customers because that company is trying to attract those customers. So really their customers, that end user, that's your target. Just understanding those simple things will set you apart from somebody who's perfect at grammar. And nowadays there's so many, there's Grammarly, there's spell check, there's tools. And a lot of these publications have editors. So of course you want to submit your best work. There's checks. There's people to do some copy editing. Really what they want from you is the meat, is the substance, the value. Yes, a hundred percent. 
So good. Uh, I love that. And I love that reframe of you're not actually looking to represent the business. You're really like writing for the business's customers, and yes. especially if they're trying to break into a new market. That is so delicious and so good. Uh, <laughs> yes, Ashley, I love that reframe. Before we segue, because I do want to ask you about your experience really. So just for everyone to, to know. So Ashley is like, citizen of the year. I've been telling her lately anyway, that she should be running for public <laughs> office because she literally brought a library with tons of advocacy and hard work. I saw her just out there really brought a li library to her local neighborhood and really talked about how important it is. And it needs to be centralized here in this area. You're not going to have us driving 45 minutes to downtown to go to the next <laughs> library. So I do want to talk to her about that. But before we segue, the last question I've had for you in regards to freelance writing, what would you say is one of the biggest mistakes beginners make when venturing this space? Definitely. So I see a lot of people spend a lot of time on a beautiful logo, a beautiful website, mm. their portfolio, which those things are important. I think it's great if you have a professional storefront online. But I think at the beginning, you just, you want to get those samples. And those samples at the beginning don't necessarily have to be published anywhere. They don't necessarily have to be paid. Although if you get paid, even better. <laughs> but you're really trying to showcase that you can write. And I've had some people just, they'll write on LinkedIn, a LinkedIn blog, or they'll write on medium.com. So it's commentary. Sometimes you don't have to wait for a publication to say, okay, your writing is good enough that we're going to host it. Mm -hmm. You can do your own reporting or your own commentary and just and write it and self-publish it. And that could be your sample. So I think at the beginning, that piece is more important. And a lot of writers, I feel like, get stuck on, I need a portfolio. I've had people that they use their Gmail account and they use Dropbox or Google Drive. And they mm. literally have folders and they're like, here's my business articles. Here's my articles about gardening. Here's my articles on mommyhood. And they organize themselves. But what they're really focusing on is how can I create value for these companies? Who needs the services that I have or the expertise that I have? And how can I help them? What's their pain point? What are they, what's going on with their industry and what season are they in? And how can I help them reach their business goals? Mm -hmm. That work is going to get you like leaps and bounds farther at the beginning than toying with your, your logo or your email signature and all those things. And I think that's true in business in general. Business is really problem solving. It's here's a problem or a need mm. and here's my product or service that fixes that, that addresses that. Yeah. And that's really where value is exchanged. And so getting hung up on, yeah, I need my website or I need to get my headshots and all that's the fun stuff. Everybody loves working on their logo. That's fun. But, and I think you posted something about massive action the other day. What are the things that are going to make the biggest impact and get you from where you're at to where you want to go? Yeah. Yeah. It's so easy to, we don't even realize we're doing it, but to subconsciously procrastinate on the really big things that are going to move yes. us forward. Yeah. And so we're like, yeah, those small things are important, but we really got to make those big moves. I love all of this, Ashley. And I can't think of a more like loving, kind person to really help people and mentor people in this space. So good. I'm so excited for you. Thank you. So Ashley lives in Orlando. She lives in a really lovely neighborhood called Lake Nona for those that are not familiar with it. And she advocated really hard to get a library in her neighborhood. So I was just hoping maybe she would walk us through what that looks like, because I think a lot of us 
we don't necessarily get involved in our communities. And I think it's important because we may think, oh, it's normal to drive a half an hour, 45 minutes out to a library. And really, it's just so important that our kids, our communities have access to books and all the other things that libraries offer. So I don't know if you mind, but actually, I'd love for you to walk us through a little bit of that experience and how you got from where it was just an idea to really making this a reality. I appreciate that. So I have loved the library since I was a little girl. I come from a very humble background. And my mom worked her way through nursing school from a licensed practical nurse at LPN to getting her associates to getting her bachelor's in nursing to her master's. And so any money she would make, she would invest that back into her classes. So for fun and also so she could study, we'd go to the library all the time. And for me, that just... I loved that access. The wind it opened the doors to the world for me, being in, from a small rural town in North Florida. And so I've always loved that. And so now, as a mom myself, I love the library. And all of this really came to a head in 2020 during the pandemic. My daughter was in first grade at the time, and then I had two little ones, two little boys. And I found myself having to do this virtual school thing. And I'm not a homeschool mama. That's not my gift. I'm not patient. (laughs) Yeah. Props to all the teachers. Love the teachers. Love nurses too. But I, I was searching for resources. I was searching for materials. I was searching for books. I was trying to figure out, okay, I need it. I need the library right now. And I realized... We had gone to the library, but my kids were still young. And I realized that the library was pretty far away. We had experienced a lot of development here in my community. And so even though the library, the closest branch to us is not that far in terms of miles in the car, it would take like 30 minutes depending Mm -hmm. on traffic. And you know how it is with little ones in the car seats for 30 minutes is a long time for them, you know? And so I'm like, wait a minute, we don't have a library here. So I started doing some digging on Facebook and our community groups. And I Googled or I searched for a library. And I saw over the years, people would bring it up. People would say, where's the local library? How come we don't have a library closer to us? And people would always bat them down. Oh, we're never going to get a library over here. Libraries are dying or the library system is broke or they're not going to bring one to Lake Nona for XYZ reason. People kept saying, oh, it's never going to happen. And I could see this tons of comments over the years. So I'm thinking this is strange. And I'm not going to just accept that, right? Okay, we're never going to have one. (laughs) She said, I'm not going to accept it. Let's do it. We're going to change some things around here. Around the same time, it was an election time. So there was our local representative. He had like a Zoom meeting about the library because it had... um, it came to the surface again as a topic. So he did a little spiel, a little meeting about this is why we don't have a library and these are the challenges and so forth. A neighbor actually created a group for those of us who are interested in figuring out how to create a library for us to gather. And so then I piped up and I said, have we ever had a petition? The numbers talk. Girl, have we ever? This is my language. Yeah, right. (laughs) And so the neighbor, he was like, hey, why don't you create one? I don't know how to do that. I'm like, okay, I see this change.org. How hard could it be? And famous last words, right? Because if you become the one to say stuff, it's almost like you get voluntold to see it through. People are looking at you like, all right, what are you doing? Well, what, how's that going? And I'm at the time thinking, I have three little kids. My husband works in healthcare. The pandemic was raging. I'm like, 
Me. This is yeah, me. <laughs> me. Why? Wait, what? Isn't somebody more qualified for this? Someone with more yeah. time. Right. Yeah. But it became one of those things where you feel like you've spoken up and everybody's looking at you. And now you got to see it through. Out of sheer burnness, <laughs> you know, I stayed with it. So first I had to educate myself. I didn't know anything about this. I'm not in politics at all. I don't work for government. So I really had no frame of reference with this. So I had to do a lot of homework to figure out well, how the heck do libraries, how are they, how do they decide when to build new branches? How is it budgeted? Where does the money? Just educating myself in that. Mm -hmm. Step one. And then realizing my area, there's a board of trustees. They decide how the monies are spent and where new libraries are going to be constructed. So it turned into this petition, got 11,000 signatures, which was really affirming that even in 2020, 2021, 2022, libraries still matter. Yeah. People still get fired up for a library. I was I love like, that. this I warms my heart. Yeah. So it became a huge, it grew a life of its own. I was really lucky to meet a couple other residents. And it was so beautiful, Lola, because we represented like just humanity. There was mm -hmm. our youngest member. She's 20 now. She's from Venezuela. She, her family came here because of the political strife that was happening there and still is. And she learned, she perfected her English at the library. Oh, so I she was that. like, I love the library. And yeah. then one of our other members, she's in her 80s. She's like 83. She's a New Yorker. So she's got energy and she's yeah. crap. And she's <laughs> like me, the mom. There's a couple of retirees, like just a whole cross-section of oh. people of all different and all we look different and we all just felt like we're taxpayers, we're paying into this, our houses are not cheap, so we're paying the proportion of what we're paying. We're not asking for something for free. Yeah. We're asking for access to something we pay for. So it became, there were challenges. I got quickly schooled in small town politics. I got mm. quickly schooled in power and in money and how decisions are made. Girl. But getting a library, long story short, we got our elected officials involved. They're building a government center and our library is going to be part of it. And so they're looking to break ground in the summer, I want to say. And so two to three years, we should have a library in Lake Nona. Oh, I love that so much. And you talked about right now, just being like schooled in small town politics and yes. schooled in power. And I hear that. But at the same time, those systems in a lot of ways, they weren't necessarily meant to serve the person that's really trying to advocate for some change or something different. And so sometimes we have to be those people that are going to be drumming the beat and gassing people up. And yeah, whenever you're making changes, isn't just going to happen on its own. You have to right. be making people uncomfortable. And also yes. with that though, you're probably going to be quite a bit uncomfortable as well, but you do it and you make the change. And then look, you made the library happen. And so actually going back to the theme that we started this conversation with, this is actually a beautiful story in that you work hard and you're actually a little uncomfortable and you actually do accomplish the goal. Yeah. So I think that's, uh, that's a little like eager beaver in me that there, there is hope for a better society. And if you do the right things, you will actually see some action, but this actually shows that it, you know, it is still possible. So that's a beautiful story. What are some for folks that maybe are listening that are interested in this space and maybe bringing a library to their area, what were some of the lessons that you learned along the way? Maybe some things that maybe you would have just slightly done a little bit differently to make the process a little easier for yourself. Definitely. So I think the first thing I would recommend is to do your homework. 
do your research and figure out how things are done in your community. In our community, we have actually two, we have a county mayor and we have a city mayor. And so our board of trustees that's in charge of our library has representatives who are appointed by both entities. So it makes things a little interesting. Mm. Certain cities that might not be that way, it might be done a different way. And so the first thing I would recommend is to figure that out. And sometimes that information is not going to be readily available. That information is might not be in a public-facing format, like on a website. You might have to get on the phone and call somebody, mm. be transferred, and call back and make an appointment with people. So there's some sweat that's involved with it. But if you keep digging and digging, you'll get a clear picture. Very rarely do I find that it's served on a silver platter. Here's the way the game is run. And here are the players. Right. It's You kind of chisel it out and figure it out how it works. So that's what I would recommend first. And I think lessons learned, I think with anything political, with anything with money, there can be a lot of emotions, a lot of feeling. And I think even when things are hard, even when you feel like you're hitting a a dead end, if you continue to approach things with an openness with a collaborative, with seeking a collaborative solution Mm -hmm. and not sliding into that adversarial, accusatory, pitchfork, angry place. Even when you maybe are frustrated, even when you sense that some things might not be fair, dare I say, if you really want to achieve this outcome, keeping the end in mind, keeping the objective in mind, to gain in those feelings, I think is really important. Yeah. So good. Yes. It's easy for things to get super emotional. And so that's so big to not necessarily get in an adversarial space. Woo. Ashley, you go girl. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. you, made it Thank happen. you. I'm proud of you. Thank you so much. Switching gears. This is the last kind of substantive question that I'm going to ask you. So you did all of this and you started a new company <laughs> while having three children little children, might I add, and a wonderful husband and just a million things going on. So girl, how do you do it? Tell us a little bit about your time management and your routines. I know we were talking about that offline just now, but I know it's a lot. So what are some of the things that you do to really make sure that you keep that ball rolling? Definitely. So I, like a lot of mamas and caretakers, I live by my calendar. I live by my Google calendar. If it's not in there, it does. it's not it real. It doesn't exist. Yeah. It doesn't, it's, yeah. My husband is there, Rob. <laughs> oh, I got this conference. I, I'm like, did you put on the calendar? Oh, the plumber's coming. Okay, is it on the calendar? Because mm. if it's not on the calendar, I cannot be held to any kind of like expectation. <laughs> like, it's just, my brain will not. It's, I feel like becoming a mom, my brain is turned into mashed potatoes. <laughs> I don't know if it's the overstimulation, if it's the overwhelm. Oof. I don't know. But so having a system to keep organized is really big. I would say the other thing is I try to systemically every week remove things from my calendar. Oh, that's good. So getting out of things, like trying to pare down, trying to simplify, excuse me, saying no to things. Let me get some tea real quick. Oh, look at that mug. Yeah, world's Christmas best mom. <laughs> no, yeah, your kids are looking to have you. Excuse me. Thank you. I think asking for giving myself space. So because I struggled with people pleasing, and because I love everything, and I'm curious about everything. I would often say yes to everything right away. Mm -hmm. So now I'm learning to say, let me get back with you. Let me think about that. Just to create a little bit of space so I can actually 
make intentional decisions because time, there could be an infinite amount of things that you're interested in or that you want to pursue. Or as entrepreneurs, we see opportunity everywhere. So we're always like that. Our time is finite, unfortunately. And we have a lot of things pulling at it. Mm -hmm. So learning to put those practices into place, also giving myself grace and understanding that there's seasons to everything, seasons to a business, seasons to your life, and understanding that balance is a myth, I feel like, and that there's certain seasons where you're going to be working like an animal and certain seasons where you're going to be momming so hard. And they made, there's ebbs and flows, I think, to our activities and trying to manage my energy for that and expectations. And then the other piece is just being real about what I'm doing. Like I love reality TV during the (laughs) pandemic. That became like a little pleasure, but I could learn, I had to rein that in. Mm. So I'll allow myself to enjoy that if I'm doing laundry, if I'm washing dishes, if I'm like doing a chore, if I'm on the elliptical, but I'm not. Other times I need to be actually doing something more productive. Mm. So still allowing myself those pleasures, but understanding like Netflix, the trade-off for Netflix isn't just $21.99 or however much it is. It's your time, your yeah. life, your energy. Mm-hmm. And what else could you be doing with that time? Even though the shows are great. Yeah. So just being real with myself about that. Yeah. So one thing in terms of what you just said, and I actually just, I think on one of your stories recently talked about this, how you were getting into a flow and then bam, you saw that it was time to pick up your kids, right? And you gave yourself grace. What does that mean? And what are you saying to yourself in those moments? You know, when it's okay, like you're maybe a little frustrated because you're bumping up against that time restraint, right? What is giving yourself grace? What does it mean to Ashley Cisneros Mejia? I think for me, it means accepting. Like just accepting what is, right? Uh, And I think what you were talking about on the onset about our generation and the ideas that we believed, right? These beliefs about you just work your buns off and you do the right things and you check those boxes, you're going to be golden. uh, And then everything got flipped. We're taught, we go to college, you're going to get a great job and you're going to make a lot of money, at least uh, enough money. And now what are we seeing? We're seeing people who aren't necessarily buying into the idea of formal education and they're doing entrepreneurship or they're investing or they're figuring out another way. I'm not just going to exchange these hours for time anymore. So I think realizing that accepting that things have changed, that they will continue to change and understanding that things aren't always going to be this way. There's going to be a time where our kids are in high school, are in college, mm. or doing a gap year, or whatever ready. they choose to do. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not but we're not always going to be in the season of potty training, the season of chopping up apples or making just the intense parenting that I think we're in. I think parenting from what I've learned from mentors is that it's never going to be easy. We're going to mm. trade the toddler stuff, the grade school stuff that we might be in now now for teenage stuff, which is a whole different animal. But I think just understanding, just accepting that this, this is the time I had three hours of deep work time. And now it's time to get into the car line and being angry about it or resisting it or being upset about Mm -hmm. it, wasted energy Mm -hmm. because we just have to accept that this is what is, and what you were saying, to find the joy now. Enjoy the Jeep carriage, Cherokee, now. <laughs> I'm learning too is about, I think for me, like I somehow learned those ideas of, yes, hard work equals for sure success. Mm-hmm. And success must come 
by heart. Like we got to toil, we got to struggle. And I'm learning now when I'm looking at these crypto bros and other people, like, I'm like, wait a minute, I missed the memo. (laughs) Right? What you were saying earlier about, okay, it's not always true that if you work hard, you're going to be. Because if that was true, my grandparents who were migrant farm workers who literally toiled in the hot sun, crouched over picking vegetables, they would be millionaires. And they're not. It's not always true that you just work yourself to the bone and you're guaranteed, you're guaranteed nothing. So we got to enjoy life. We got to think beyond, we got to think with innovation and creativity and take risks, just Mm. like we talked about. Yeah. Oh, this is so good. That's one thing that I am working to also incorporate in my life right now, because I've also internalized this whole concept of having to work hard for success and letting that go and just allowing for abundance to come to you and then taking inspired action. I I think we were even had a conversation about this online, just like real quick, but it's because we're so used to these concepts and because we've seen our families work so hard, there is this sense of almost guilt of just allowing for opportunities to come and allowing for the goodness to come. It's something that I think is maybe a work in progress for a lot of us, but I love that you said that it doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't. Right. Yeah, we make it hard. We decide it has to be hard. And then we're going to attract that into our lives if we continue to think. Absolutely. And we can, just because we might have been dealt a different hand of cards in our lives, and so maybe things were hard, doesn't mean they had to stay hard. And doesn't mean that we had to accept that. Like, we don't have to accept that because of our, the challenges we might have had, or just the way we show up in the world, and what resources we have and what resources we don't that we're just going to accept that we're always going to struggle. No, we can decide we are flipping that. We're not buying into that. We can be thankful for the lessons that we've learned from that struggle. And we can move forward with a new vision. And we can say, there's not a path. So we're going to pave our own path. Mm. We're going to knock down this (laughs) and we are going to figure this out. And if our culture, I think women, we figure things out. Our culture, like Latinos, Latinas, we, our families, we figure it out. Mm -hmm. We figure things out. We create a path where there wasn't a path. That's so beautiful. And it it just also brings me back to LTA. Pave the way, girl. Pave the (laughs) way. It always comes back, right? Anyways, so Ashley, thank you so much. You are such a gem. Where can people find you? How can they follow you? How can they get more involved with your work, work with you, all the things? Thank you so much. So I am on all the things at Talk Freelance to Me. My website is talkfreelancetome.com. My email, if anyone wants to drop me a line, is ashley at talkfreelancetome.com. And I would love to talk to anybody. If you want advice, if you want to share an idea, just want to say hello. I would love to hear from anyone in your audience. Woohoo! All right. Thank you, Ashley. Again, this conversation, just so many gems dropped. So excited to publish it as well. Thank you for spending time with me today. I appreciate you today and always. Thank you, Lola. I appreciate you. All right, everyone. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining me today. If you liked what you heard, please be sure to like, subscribe, and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. As many of you know, I'm technically an attorney and forever advocate that does speaking engagements and coaching when not podcasting, 
and being a mama to my amazing daughters. Nothing in my podcasts, however, is ever to be construed as legal advice. These are for educational and enjoyment purposes only. Anywho, if you'd like to follow me in real time or get access to my free five must-have secrets for public speaking, follow me on Instagram at the Latina Advocate Podcast. That's the at symbol, then the Latina Advocate Podcast, no spaces in between. Thanks and have a great day. See you next time.